We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If you don't hold the ball as a passer, and if you don't become reckless with the ball in the red zone, this defense isn't capable of holding this offense down. This is a mature game by everybody on this offense. It's a maturity game. You go out, you do what you have to do, mix your personnels, you could run or pass, get be, be completion driven. As long as Josh isn't careless with the football, and as long as they're not, because Minka Fitzpatrick, if he plays, or Eric Rowe, these, the, the one thing, Chris, that this defense is really good at, punching the ball out. Dan Orlovsky yesterday with One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker talking about the matchup between the Bills and the Steelers and what it really means for this Bills team, what challenges Pittsburgh might provide. We'll dig into that a little bit here with uh, Joe Marino of the Lockdown Bills podcast, Lockdown NFL Scouting podcast as well. And you can give us a call, 803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550 to pop into a phone line here. We've got uh, you know time for you. Throw a question, throw a comment in, whether it's the uh, potential absence of Gabe Davis. We'll learn a little more about that today, about Davis, Rasul Douglas, about Tyrell Dodson and Taylor Rapp and Ty Johnson. Those are the five injuries to come out of the game against Miami, bringing up Taylor Rapp because Sal made a point to you, saying he walked off after that last interception, maybe with a little bit of a limp, but um, we'll see. So add Rapp to the list of names. I, I hadn't, hadn't thought about him starting the day today, but um, when Sal mentioned him about an hour ago, I thought, okay, put put him on the list. So we'll talk about that with you, 803-0550, on Bills and Steelers. One thing about the Steelers that that I know, I was you know, looking at all right, what does this team do? What are they like? They are throwing this is what Orlovsky said. They are throwing vertically right now. That's the difference with their offensive coordinator. They're now throwing down the field a bit more. And there's a stat on George Pickens that's really remarkable in terms of this will give you an idea of how their vertical passing game is working through Pickens. Compare the seasons that George Pickens and Stefan Diggs have had. Like here's Pickens, young player. He has 1,140 yards. That's not a crazy big number, right? But 1,140 yards. Diggs has 1,183. Pickens has done it on 44 fewer catches. By the end of this game, Pickens might have more yards on the year than Diggs. And, of course, we know Diggs, for a good chunk of this season he dropped off quite a bit his average yards per catch in the month of December he had one for six one for 5.8 one for 6.5 like it was just uh whatever it's it's kind of disappeared and that'll give you an idea of what the kind of threat that that George Pickens can be his yards per catch he's got multiple games against the Seattle Seahawks 18. Against the Bengals, how about this average yards per catch? 48. <laughs> he had four for 195. So 
he's a threat. One thing the Bills are generally pretty good at doing is stopping big plays. They've generally been good at that. A Sean McDermott defense rarely gets beat down the field on big plays, and Pickens will be the big threat for that. Johnson's more of an underneath kind of guy, yards after catch guy. Fryermuth, not exactly, I don't think, too threatening. Those are their weapons. 803-0550 and 1-888-550-2550 to join us. We'll talk about the Steelers game. You want to still go back to something you saw from Miami? Anything. And uh, also opened up this morning talking Super Bowl or bust, whether or not if it feels like it's Super Bowl or bust to you. Making one would be, I mean, geez, just making it. it it's, I know anytime you, you talk like that, it ends up sounding like you're accepting losing in the Super Bowl, and that's not exactly what it is. It's just to, to note that lots of teams have good seasons, and for some teams, winning a division and going out in the first round is a good season. That would be Houston this year, right? Hasn't Houston already had a good season? And if you are the Lions, home playoff game, like they've had a good season. If they don't win the Super Bowl, they still had a good season. Then there are teams like the Chiefs. They won their division and have a home playoff game, and they're having a bad season. The Bills got the two seed, and they had a bit of a rocky season. So not everyone's measures are the same. Now when we get to this part, we can start to talk about what makes a good season for the Bills. I feel like they're most of the way to it by digging themselves out, and now the second season begins. This is where, you know, can they do the thing we're all waiting, hoping, praying they can do. 803-0550. Phil in Buffalo going to join us. Hey, Phil, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, Jeremy, I thought about something last night that was really interesting, I, at least I think, is let's say we get to the Super Bowl and win it this year. We, we'd have to most likely go through four future Hall of Fame coaches, when you think about it, if things play out. Andy Reid, Tomlinson, of course, Reid, and, and then you get to Harbaugh. Those three are, for sure, future Hall of Famers. And then Shanahan, being so young yeah. and su- successful, most likely a future Hall of Famer. That, if McDermott beats these four guys, if it plays out that way, and, and honestly, I, I've been on and off with McDermott as a, as a critic, but he, he would now be in the light of a future Hall of Famer if he keeps winning, if he kept winning, if he won a Super Bowl, and then kept winning season after season with Josh Allen, which he should if he sticks around, five years down the line, he he's a potential a Hall of Famer. You know, as you say that, I know McDermott's win percentage went up to six forty with their win over the Miami Dolphins, and to put that in context, win percentage for Andy Reid is six forty one. Right, like six forty-one. It is impressive what McDermott has done. Six forty. Andy Reid six forty-one. Bill Belichick six forty-seven. McDermott has a better win percentage than Tomlin right now. Tomlin, to his credit, you know, I I pick on Tomlin a lot because of the punting, and really that's about it—the punting and the kicking—and he gets his teams ready and his teams perform. I mean, Tomlin. He had Roethlisberger for a lot of that, but he's had a lot of eh as well, and he's 633. But here's McDermott with a better win percentage than Bill Cowher, better than Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton and John Harbaugh. They all have Super Bowls. A better win percentage than Sean McVay, Super Bowl. 
a better win percentage than Pete Carroll. McDermott, it is interesting. It probably goes this way because of players versus coaches, right? These these arguments, you know, I'll get people that write to me that will send me a direct message on Twitter. Every mistake that's ever made is the coaching. Oh, coaching did this and coaching did that. Oh, we lost because of coaching. And coaching gets blamed for losses a lot and not quite as often heralded for wins. Wins is the players, losses are the coaches, especially if you think your players are good. But to that point, I I would ask anybody why Allen gets all of the live or die, the good and the bad, I'm good with it. I'll live with the mistakes. And yet McDermott, it's not anything, I don't think it's anything close to that. I don't get a lot of people that call us and say, McDermott's one of the best in the league, I'll live with the mistakes. The mistakes have been glaring. Some of them have been very glaring. But if you zoom out the body of work, it is consistent and it's good. Four straight division titles, the playoffs. I mean, the, the Chiefs and the Bills have the longest playoff streak in the NFL. And other teams have bad years. They pop up, they pop down. Sometimes it's injury luck that knocks them out. But McDermott, <laughs> he's not quite like Allen because I don't think there's a consensus that he's the best or the second best or top two. But he's he's darn good and I guess Mike Vrabel's a good a good comparison here like Vrabel's a defensive coach his defenses actually aren't often that good he has gotten results I saw that Vrabel Warren Sharp had this Vrabel has won half the games in which he's an underdog so that's overperforming I think right to win half the games that you're an underdog Vrabel's got three playoff appearances in six years McDermott's got four consecutive division titles. Now, they're not working with the same quarterbacks. I know that. For Vrabel, it's Mariota and Tannehill and Will Levis and Malik Willis. So, like, if you're a coach that does it without a quarterback, you get tons of credit. Tons. That's what Tomlin has been getting love for lately because they never have losing seasons. He's gotten them to the playoffs with Mason Rudolph, the third-string quarterback, They've had non-losing seasons with Duck Hodges as they're starting multiple games. So Tomlin has a little bit of a potion to knock out enough wins. Whatever he's doing to do it now, like he's done it again. But he's probably limited by the quarterback that he has. Every coach is going to be like this. Belichick's going to get this now. Belichick's entire legacy has been brought down to be like, well, sure, he's good, but how good is he? He just finished with the third overall pick. And how'd that happen? His guidance of the team, everything fell apart. They don't have any answers on offense. It is what it is. Speaking of the Patriots, I mentioned with Sal earlier today that we should be getting Patriots news soon. And whatever the news is, it'll be big. If it's Belichick leaves, that's obviously huge. Who do they go with? What do they do? What's their plan? If Belichick stays but is willing to give up control of the organization and take a lesser role by just being the coach without being the GM, well, that's that's big news too. There is one potential scenario I'm, I'm thinking about with this Patriots coaching job, and that's very 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Because if I'm a Patriot fan, I don't know, I've won more Super Bowls than I can count, so I'm, who knows if I could ever be mad about anything. But if they go with Vrabel, Saw Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, already wrote an article. Vrabel landing in New England makes sense. Vrabel's landing spots are New England, Atlanta. I already forgot the other one. But if the Patriots hired Vrabel, wouldn't that represent Robert Kraft still believing the Patriot way is a thing? Why does he check boxes? Because he played for you? What, what about Mike Vrabel checks boxes for the Patriots? You want a defensive-minded head coach known for being somewhat conservative and not running a high-powered offense and settling for an offense that's just kind of meh? That's that's what you want? That's that's the best idea you've got? If you're the Patriots and you hire Vrabel, I think you you are dipping back into, you really truly believe you can re-instore, resurrect the Patriot way, which, of course, was always this self-told narrative about how they knew stuff that other teams didn't when they had the best coach and the best quarterback. That's what it was. But they wanted the, you know, a lot of people wanted to pat them on the back for having some magic potion. And maybe they really still think that. And if they do, Vrabel would be who you would hire. Let's just get a younger, maybe more progressive Belichick. Still conservative, still defensive-minded, still a guy that thinks, you know, run and stop the run, blah, blah, blah. I mean, not to say that that's exactly what the Patriots do, but... Uh, to me, that it just screams Patriot ways back. And I bet Kraft might even say it <laughs> if they were to hire Vrabel. On the jobs and how interesting and available they are, I mean, New England's not even a job yet. There are six jobs out there. Which job would you want? You're a head coach. You want to follow Bill Belichick? It does help that he didn't go out on top. It helps that he gave you the number three pick. Washington's out there, new ownership. Atlanta, chock full of skill position players. Chargers, you have your franchise quarterback. Carolina, good luck on a lot of levels. You know, it's it's not quite a slam dunk to think that the Patriots would be the most attractive. In fact, like I, I don't know how often coaches think about the division they want to be in. Do I want to sit there with Josh Allen and with Mike McDaniel or with – you know, whoever you might. Do I want to be in a division with Mahomes? I don't know if you worry about that too much. I mean, Sean Payton went in and said, like, sure, Mahomes. I'll battle that guy each week or each year. 803-0550, I mean, McDermott's legacy, if we're talking about McDermott here, he, he's had a year. He's been in a in a fight, in a battle. He had to fire an offensive coordinator. So did the Steelers. McDermott had people calling for his job. So did Tomlin in Pittsburgh. It was kind of national news where they had a spot where it was rock bottom fire Tomlin. And he made it, and he got them to the playoffs. So these are two guys that are defensive coaches. One has a great quarterback, and with that, 
he has the edge. And the other edge he has is he's much more, McDermott is, much more progressive, much more aggressive, book smart on like the numbers of going for it. If that had been the Steelers in Miami on Monday night, they don't go for fourth and one at their own 35. No chance. They don't think about it. They punt away and trust the defense, and they help Miami by giving them a better chance to win the game. Mike Tomlin routinely gives the opponent a better chance to win the game by giving them the ball when he shouldn't. Most of the league has – maybe I shouldn't say most. The entire league has been too conservative in this department for a long time. I think a lot of us have learned about that. And Tomlin's still stuck. Of all the playoff teams, they are the worst at it, at when they decide to kick. If they get down to the Bills' four-yard line, fourth and one at the four, you know what they're going to do? They're going to kick. Because that's hey, got to get your points. Got to get points against this Bills team. If you think McDermott is conservative, there's plenty of evidence to prove that he's not, and there's just a mountain on Tomlin. So that's a big edge. And if the Bills were to lose to this team, it would be a lot of things. I want to go to say embarrassing because it's a Pittsburgh team that is the definition, the embodiment of they play not to lose. 803-0550. Devin in Rochester up next as we're kind of chatting about McDermott and his his legacy and what's on the line for him. Hey, Devin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Jeremy. Um, I just wanted to echo your sentiments. I love that point and, um, you know, obviously love Allen and I'm with you. You know, you live, take the good with the bad with Allen. Um, and I just wish some fans would give that same, you know, grace to McDermott. I mean, the guy, if you look around the league at some of these coaches, they all seem to have a fatal flaw, whether it's, you know, Andy Reid, clock management, things like that. But with McDermott, just, you know, the roster development, you know, the team always seems to go through this dip and then, you know, every year and then he rallies them. Um, you know, I, I know some of those mistakes, 13 seconds, he's never going to be able to live down, but when you take the totality of what the guy's done, I just, I'm really glad he's on our side. And, you know, I know he's one bad game away from <laughs> being for the fans, being on the block again with him. But uh, I just think the totality of what he's done and with us in the near future going to need to flip this roster again. Um, I think he's the guy to make sure that, you know, we keep knocking on that door and eventually hope getting through. Well, th- thanks Devin. Devin, you think this is his best job as a defensive coach since he's been here? I really do. I mean, you know, I'm not as nuanced with the X's and O's, you know, season take a holder, watch every minute of it. But just, you know, to go through the, I mean, after the London game and just, you know, you're decimated at all three levels. And then obviously they're struggling to find answers. And then to piece it together in the midst of, you know, the, the Tyler Dunn piece and everything else, I just, I don't know how the guy did it. I mean, I think I'm imagining there's a lot of sleepless nights over there, but this might be one of his finest hours on yeah. coaching, at least the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, at the same point in time, the, deciding, like, hey, enough is enough on the offensive side, and i got to make a change there, too. So, I mean, wild season. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it ends with the Super Bowl. Yeah, thanks, Devin. And it's, it's, the, year, it's the year he took over play calling, <laughs> right? Like, it's probably his best job from an X's and O's standpoint. You know, you want to give him credit last year for – the Hamlin incident, how that was handled as a team that night, the the week after, the weeks. Okay. But this year, he had a defense that was torn up by injury, and he and the GM identified how they could help fix it, and then they fixed it. And it got – I mean, it's been great. It might be his finest hour as the Bills head coach. And that's with four straight 
wins. I mean, I know Allen had 44 touchdowns this year. I mean, Allen's touch Allen's final stat line of passing touchdowns was down a good amount from previous years. He only had 29 passing touchdowns. That's his lowest total since 2019. Now he ran a bunch in, of course. He had 15 rushing touchdowns. That's a lot. Allen had his highest interception number. We talk about interceptions. We don't care about them that much. But you know, I don't think it was Allen's best year. He certainly had a good case of the MVP, but they did it, and the way they got back in it consistently was with the offense got them a lead and the defense closed it out multiple times, four times down the stretch. They're where they are because they ran the table, and with five wins, four of them, he did the thing many wondered about. It's the year he took over play calling, you know, tons of credit to McDermott and how this has gone. Joe Marino is coming up next segment. We we got in touch with him. We were far enough in. It was just like, we'll just do next segment. So Joe Marino, the Lockdown Bills podcast, will break down this Pittsburgh matchup when we return. Bills, Steelers in a potential snow game, maybe some wind. I want to thank someone who pointed out via Twitter. It's uh, an account called Beans Burner, Brandon Bean. So I can only assume it's Brandon Bean that sent me this, Beans Burner. Pointing out the last time the Bills played the Steelers, you remember that game, they throttled the Steelers here in Buffalo early in the season. Beans Burner went back and found the weather that day. Now, it wasn't snowy and it wasn't cold, but it was windy. And the Bills had no problems. Aired it out. Gabe Davis had the game of games. He had the 98-yard touchdown. And don't forget, he had the touchdown where he wrenched the ball away from Minka Fitzpatrick in the end zone, which was pretty cool. One of Gabe's finest hours that day. And we'll see if we get good news on Davis coming up from practice. Joe Marino of the Lockdown Bills podcast to break down Bill Steelers when we return. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.